Welcome to Lifehouse Church Online. To know more about our senior pastors, head to the Lifehouse website. We hope you enjoy the service. It's so good to be in the house of God this morning. It's so good to be able to share the Word of God with you today. You know, a lot of people are celebrating Easter this weekend. A lot of people are taking four days off. And I'm actually so glad and so thankful that we still live in a country that allocates this time for us to worship. You know, so many countries, today's just another Friday, and tomorrow and Sunday and Monday are just other days. But I just really praise God that we live in a country where we can still put aside this time and honour and lift up the work of Jesus, his death and his resurrection. And in thinking about this, it got me thinking about how are people relating to Jesus? What do people think about Jesus? There's a lot of reference to Jesus on this weekend, but not everyone has a relationship with Jesus. And I had to ask myself, why? Why don't many people have a relationship with Jesus? Now, I know a lot do, but not as many as we'd like. We'd like to see the whole world saved, yeah? But not as many people as we would like have a relationship with Jesus. And for a long time, I used to think that people hate God. They don't have a relationship with Jesus because they hate him. And in in reflection just this past couple of weeks, I thought, well, that's actually not quite true. A lot of people don't have a relationship with Jesus because they hate God. They just don't understand who Jesus is. They don't understand what he did for them. They don't understand what he's done for them, the work of the cross. You know, Jesus has been misrepresented. He's been misrepresented by culture. He's been misrepresented by people. He's even been misrepresented by the church. You know, God has been portrayed as this boogie monster up in the sky that's waiting for you to slip up and to stuff up and to disobey him so then he can pour down his wrath on that person and ha, 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 because he's God and he's mean. Or he's been portrayed as the fun police that just wants to sap all the life and all the joy out of living. Or he's portrayed as this being who shames people and guilts people into having a relationship with him. But so many people don't have a relationship with Jesus because they don't feel worthy of one. So many people don't have a relationship with Jesus because they don't know what he has done for them and why he did it. And the title of my message this morning is The Undeserved Saviour. The Undeserved Saviour. Now, I'm not going to speak for very long this morning. We want to try and keep it short. And if you're visiting for the first time, or maybe this is one of the only times of the year that you come to church, I just want to echo what Pastor Richard said, and you are so welcome here. It's so good to see you here. If this is one or two, one of the two times that you come to church, that's okay. And God's happy that you're here, and we're happy that you're here. And if you want to come um, more, feel free. But if you don't, that's still okay, and God still loves you. So my message this morning is called The Undeserved Saviour. And in this message, I want to break down some moments in the Easter story that really point us to who Jesus was and who Jesus is. Try and myth bust the misrepresentation. You know those guys, the myth busters, those dorks that do those science experiments? I say dorks, but they're probably rich dorks. Okay, but they do all those things where, you know, things that we've believed for a long time. Is that really true? Does that really happen if you do this? And then they do the experiment 
And at the end, they say, oh, myth busted, or actually, no, that's actually correct. So I want to myth bust the misrepresentation of Jesus this morning. And I'd like us to start in Luke chapter 22, verse 47. And prior to this, Jesus has just been with his disciples. They've had the Last Supper. And then he's gone up in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's gone to pray. And then he's come down, and we pick it up in verse 47. And while he was still speaking, there came a crowd. And the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And those who were around him saw what would follow. They said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. Now in looking at this story... In knowing what Jesus is about to go through in the next 12, 15, 24 hours, if healing's not his number one priority, I can live with that. I can excuse him. Jesus, tomorrow you're going to die for the sin of the world. They're coming to arrest you unjustly. And in this moment where it starts kicking off and there's a bit of commotion and they're coming to arrest him and his disciples pull out a sword and one cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant... In that moment there, with everything that Jesus has going on, he says, no, enough of this, and he heals him. Now, when I read these stories, I like to look and put myself in the situation, because it's very easy to read this story and just see a name or see an event and just move on to the next sentence. But this morning, I just want to have a look at this a little bit deeper, if that's okay. You see, this man who got his ear cut off, His name was Malchus. It tells us in the book of John that his name was Malchus. And he was a bondservant to the high priest. Now, we don't know a lot about Malchus. What we do know about bondservants is they were under 30. And this guy, I'm guessing, would have had a sword. So I don't think he was 11 or 12. I think it's fair to assume that Malchus had a young wife at home, that he had somewhere to go. At the end, he had a career. He had... Um, a job, and what have you. So Malchus gets his ear cut off, and Jesus heals him. And then after his shift, whenever that is, that night, maybe the next day, maybe hang around for the whole ordeal, Malchus goes home. And these are Middle Eastern people. Do we have any Middle Eastern people in the house this morning? Can you make some noise, Middle Eastern people? Wow. Wow. Thank you. Jazz, you're a garisto now. He left that at the altar. No, it's so good. We love Middle Eastern people, yeah? These are Middle Eastern people. So I imagine Malchus going home to his Middle Eastern wife, who would have pre- pre- prepared a lovely Middle Eastern meal for him. You know, the good stuff. Rezajej, Majadra, Kebenaye, all that sort of... Anyone know what I'm talking about? Most of you are looking like, what's that? But Pastor Rich is salivating. <laughs> so he goes home to his wife who's preparing a meal. He walks in. He throws the keys to the donkey on the table. <laughs> and he walks in and she asks him, Malchus, how was your day? How was work? And Malchus, doing what all of us men do when his wife asks him that question, 
starts to give her a detailed rundown of everything that went, no? No? Okay. Malchus, doing what all of us men do when our wife asks us that question, says, it was all right. It was good. And he starts eating his meal. And all of a sudden, Mrs. Malchus has a look and sees all this blood all over him. And says, Malchus, what happened? What happened to you? I don't see a scratch. I don't see anything wrong with you. What happened? And then Malchus would then have to explain, well, you see, we went to go and arrest Jesus. You know the guy who everyone's been talking about? Went to go and arrest him. And then a bit of something, something happened. And one of his guys cut off my ear. What? He cut off your ear? I can see your ear. Yeah, but he healed me. And I'm sure Malchus went to bed that night and he would have laid there awake thinking, I went there to arrest this man and he healed me. Who is this man? Why did he do that? Why did we still arrest him? And then if we can move on a little bit further in the story, and I'm not going to read every bit for the sake of time. We want to get you out quick today because two people are going to the North Melbourne game and that's half their crowd. (laughs) So we want to move on and talk about... I love you, Frank. (laughs) So we move on and we, we look at this man, Barabbas, this wicked man, this convicted criminal, this murderer, this absolute pig. Of a man, he was notorious, the notorious B.I.G. Anyone know who that is? Yeah, some of you 90s kids know. Barabbas. And Pilate says to the crowd, hey, I'm going to release one of these people to you. Am I going to release Jesus, who I see no fault in? Or am I going to release Barabbas, the murderer, the one that you all know about? You've all heard about him through what he's done. This, this man, Barabbas, is known to have led riots, led insurrections in the city, known to murder people, known to kill people. And all of a sudden, in the presence of Jesus, Barabbas' situation changes. From being in chains, from, being, or from having a death sentence, he ends up free. Now, I don't know if you've put two and two together yet, But where do you think Barabbas was going to end up? Barabbas was going to the cross. But after an encounter with Jesus, Jesus took his place. And I can't help think about Barabbas going home that night and just imagining him sitting on the edge of his bed, or maybe on the edge of someone else's bed. Who knows? He was a thief and a scumbag. But sitting there thinking, this morning I was in chains. I was locked up. My future was death on a cross, but now I'm free. Who is this guy? Who is this Jesus that stood in my place? And then we go a bit further in the story to a man on the cross. A man who was serving his punishment. I mean, it was almost too late for that guy. He already had nails in his hands. The sentence had already been passed and he was actually living in the sentence. And he looks over to the Saviour. He looks over to Jesus and he says to him, Hey, when you set up your kingdom, remember me. When you set up your kingdom, remember me. 
And again, I can forgive Jesus if he looks the other way. And he says, you know what? I'm kind of busy right now. Like I'm kind of dealing with the sin of the world and taking all of that on right now. I feel like my father's forsaken me. I feel like I'm alone. All my friends, all my people, they've gone. I'm kind of busy right now. So I can hear you talking, but really, it's not a great time. But what does the Saviour say? The Saviour says, hey, there'll be a place for you in paradise. There'll be a place for you with me. You know, which of these three men deserved what they got from Jesus? No, not one of them. They were actually living in a place and, and in, a, in a position that warranted their actions. Barabbas was in chains. He deserved that. That's where he deserved to be. The man on the cross, he deserved to be there. His actions warranted him to be there. Malchus came to arrest the son of God who had done nothing wrong. Man, cut his other ear off. Get him out of there. That's what he deserved. But what he received from our Saviour, what he received from Jesus, was not what he deserved. And that's why I've called my message this morning, the undeserved Saviour. You know, by their works and by their actions, by their deeds, they deserve none of what they received from Jesus. Does that sound familiar to anybody this morning? One was broken, in need of healing, and he got his healing, and he was made whole. One was bound and enchained, imprisoned. His future was a cross. His future was death to pay for his own sins. But after an encounter with Jesus, he received freedom and liberty. One was serving his punishment, just about to see death. And he received at that point eternal life. You know, they received, they received from the undeserved saviour. Everything they deserved, they had coming until an encounter with Jesus. Their situation changed. Their circumstance changed. Their eternity changed. You know, the truth is, friend, that none of us deserve in our own merit anything from God. And that's what Easter's about. It's about remembering that us, in our own strength, in our own works, in our own deeds, we don't qualify. We don't make it in our own shortfalls. We don't make it. In my shortfalls as a father or as a son, as a friend, as a boss, my shortfalls as an employee, I don't make it. I've got shortfalls and we all do. And I just want us to look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23 very quickly. It should come up on the screen very soon. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, that's comforting because that means I qualify for this gift of grace. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Have you ever had to qualify for something? For a race or for a prize or for something online? It's always good when you know you qualify. Well, church, this morning, us as humans and our shortfalls, they're not a bad thing. They mean that we qualify for the gift 
of God our Saviour, for the gift of grace that was given to us. You know, we are justified by His work. Do you know what justified means? Something I learned a long time ago is we can break the word justified down as a, when God looks at me, it's just as if I've never sinned. Wow. Wow. You mean I can be like Barabbas, have punishment due my way, have a death sentence due my way because the wages of sin is death. But because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, because of his gift of grace, I can walk free. Yes. Yes, church. That's the message of Easter this morning. Easter's not the time to remember God is a monster in the sky. Easter is actually the greatest love story ever told. It's where God showed his love for you. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you think about yourself, regardless of what people have put into you or people have told you, doesn't care. What matters is the work of Jesus and He did it for you. Regardless of the shortfalls, He did it for you. I want us to look at Romans chapter 5 verse 8 before we finish. And this sums it all up. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, people don't come here, they don't walk through the doors because they think if I come, the place will burn down. Well, there's a couple of things with that statement. One, what do you think we do here? Two, who do you think you are? How bad do you think you are? And three, it just shows that you don't know who Jesus is. Because while we were still sinners, while we were in a state where we were not worthy, where we were not deserving of this gift, God sent Jesus Christ, His Son, to die for us. And I'd like us to stand up this morning. We're going to worship very shortly. But before we do, I want to mention another group in the story. It was the people. Because when Pilate stood up and he said to, to the crowd, who do you want? Do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? It was the people that said, no, no, we want Barabbas crucified Jesus. It was the choice of the people that put Jesus on the cross. It was the actions of the people that put Jesus on the cross. And then the way Jesus is, he's just amazing. And the way it all unfolds, you go to, to, to the Gospel of Luke and you read the first thing that Jesus says on the cross is, Father, forgive them. Who's he forgiving? He's not forgiving Roman soldiers. He's not forgiving X, Y, and Z. He's forgiving the people. And that is all of us. That's you. That's me. And maybe you're here for the first time today. That's you as well. This gift that Jesus of Jesus dying on the cross is for each and every one of us today. And that's what Easter's about. That's the Easter message that we need to not just hear in this building, but we need to take out those doors. That's the message that our suburbs, that our cities, that our schools, that our countries need to hear. This message that you are worthy of the gift of Jesus dying for you. You know, are you broken this morning? 
Are you bound? Do you feel like it's too late or it's gone too far? Or hey, the guy on the cross was right at the end and it wasn't too late for him. So this morning, if that's what you're feeling, if you're feeling bound, if you're feeling broken, if you're feeling it's too late, it's not too late, friend. We can reach out to Jesus this morning. God wants you to experience healing this morning. He wants you to experience liberty. He wants you to experience wholeness and freedom and hope in Jesus. And you know, maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've heard it lots of different times. Maybe you've been coming here for years. But maybe starting to creep into your thinking is that it's a little bit about what I've done. Well, okay, now I'm saved because I've been coming for 15 years. Or maybe I'm saved because, you know, I do this or I do that or this is my role. Friend, that's a very dangerous place to be as a Christian. Because if that's where we're thinking, we're actually further away from the cross than if we had never heard about it. And I want to remind us this morning and I want us to take away this morning that it's not about us. It's not about what we deserve, but it's about the gift that Jesus gave to us. Hi, I'm Richard Gabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now. And if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.